Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, September 11th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. It is Wednesday night, and we're we're close to another week of college football and NFL football, so we're going to be pumped tonight. We're going to be bringing you our top ten college matchups, top five NFL matchups. We're going to we're going to actually discuss this story breaking about about the SEC players. Um, by Yahoo broke a story actually talking about the benefits they receive. We'll name the players. Also, touch on Oklahoma State, what's going on over there with, with their allegations. But before we get started tonight, I, I just want to, you know, let everyone know, they know tonight's 9-11, what happened a long time ago, what was it, like 12 years ago this happened. I remember exactly where I was, but just want everybody, the families, to know that we never forget what happened that day, and we still have our prayers for the families out there. We don't forget just because time passed doesn't mean – that that we forget about what happened and, and the lives it touched and and Trey I don't know about you but I mean I think about this often actually. Well yeah I mean it's definitely a day to remember and uh, obviously something that we haven't forgotten for sure. So thanks for joining us tonight Trey and just let everybody know we're gonna have some fun tonight I mean the the host of Way In Sports have won both Tickham so far, Trey. So far, we're 2-0, and and nobody has touched us, and nobody's co-hosting. I mean, are you looking for that to change this week? Uh, I, I don't think so, Tarvin. I don't see how, how it will. I don't either. It's just hard to to beat the experts, you know. So everybody's trying. People are starting to, to send us hate messages, Trey, because they're starting to get – aggravated and we just don't lose so this week could be the week we'll see that's why we do the competition but we're going to start off tonight we're going to talk about some nfl news right now and trey i need your opinion on this i'm going to give the call in number 646-716-5564 if you'd like to call and share with us tonight and we will be giving it again just when everybody starts piling in but trey i looked you remember last week when the lions played the vikings and dominic and sue um cut the legs out from under the Vikings going in for a touchdown. I think it was a, a pick, and he actually got a, a penalty flag, and it pulled the touchdown back. But I don't know if you saw the fine Dominic and Sue received for this. It was $100,000. I just want to see if you think that's a little excessive. I know he's going to appeal this uh, to fine, and I think he'll win. Well, it certainly is the highest fine I think a lot of us can remember. But, I mean, he's a multiple times violator of, of rules. And, you know, the guy is just somebody who um, can't seem to do a lot of things right on the field. And, you know, a lot of people think he's a dirty player. And, and this play was one of one of the reasons why people um, believe that. Yeah, I think he is a repeat repeat offender, really. But nobody has ever received a $100,000 fine without a suspension tied to it. So I think this is excessive. I mean, he, he didn't – I don't think it was that dirty. Do you, Trey? I mean, looking at it, I think he was just making a play. I just don't think it was a vicious hit. 
Well, I mean, to me, it looked dirty because, I mean, the play is in front of him. The guy was scoring. I mean, it was not a necessary play to keep the guy from making the tackle. It seemed like uh, he knew this, this lineman had bad bad knees going into this, and that he, you know, to me, there was some sort of intent to go down. He didn't hit him in the chest. He hit him down. I know. I just, it just seemed suspicious. Yeah, I just I think that's a little excessive. I, I think okay, the flag that's fine, bring it back. But if you're if you're the a player on the Detroit Lions, aren't you a little disturbed that that he would do that on a play where where the touchdown looked guaranteed almost? Then he would do something like that, even just to get a penalty to bring it back. I mean, this is a Detroit Lions. They need all the points they can get. Week one. I just don't think that's the time to make a, a play like that to cost your team six points. Well, no, I think it's a very selfish play. I mean, clearly his head wasn't in the game to know that he didn't need to do that. The guy was going to score. It was an easy score. So, you know, I, I think the fine is warranted, Carbon, and I, I think that you have to send a message to Sue at this point that, you know, dirty play isn't going to be tolerated, and they have to get this guy, um, get through this guy. Well, speaking of dirty plays and, and Clay Matthews of the Green Bay Packers, Trey, Colin Kaepernick, you know, the big game, the Giants and Packers on Sunday, earlier in the week, he was talking about, you know, he was going to hit Kaepernick. He was going to, you know, light him up. And during that game, do you think it's a suspension is warranted for Matthews with some of the hits he put on Kaepernick? I mean, he looked like a wrestler out there trying to put some moves on Kaepernick. Well, I mean, Clay Matthews, I think the most egregious was one out of bounds, and then the Staley, the offensive lineman, comes over, and they get double penalties, and the offensive lineman for the 49ers clearly didn't deserve it. Now, I think that was the most egregious. Does he deserve a suspension? I don't I don't think I go that far. Does he deserve a fine? I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. I, I think if you're Matthews, if you're the coach, you know, the GM for the Packers, you say, look, do your playing on the field. Don't talk. Don't talk in the media. Because what if he hurt Kaepernick uh, after making threats of what he was going to do? What if Kaepernick was paralyzed? What if he broke his neck or something, Trey? I think there's more than suspension he would have to worry about at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, if you go that far, absolutely. But, you know, I mean, what we have now is a little chippiness. I think – you know, I, I think that Matthews, I mean, Matthews needs to be fine for his behavior. I mean, I think you can't you can't have it crossing a line, and I think it's across the line, especially with that out-of-bounds play. Well, it's time to move on to Monday Night Football that we just had, two big games. And I'm going to start off with the first one. The Eagles went on the road to Washington. RG3 is back from his injury. We got a chance, Trey, to see Chip Kelly in that offense. Are you buying or selling the Eagles after that performance Monday night? I'm going to hold off on buying the Eagles, and, and here's why. Is if you look at the history of college coaches, and I'm including Saban and Spurrier in their debuts, they both had 30-plus points and 400-plus yards of offense, just like Chip Kelly did. And both of them got beat in their second game out. So, you know, I'm saying not so fast on the Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly bandwagon just yet, Carvin, because a lot of college coaches have come out in game one, especially when other defensive-minded coaches haven't seen that system and had success in game one. To me, the real test is going to be the next couple of weeks to see if the Eagles do have the same type of offense, because I'm not so sure they will. Um, the first time NFL coaches have seen it, that's fine. We'll see what happens the second time. Well, Trey, I think what people forget, and I was reading this, is, you know, in college, 
that offense is successful in ways because kids can only practice, what, 17 hours per week. There's only a certain amount of hours they can do where pros can practice, I think, 60. So it's it's a lot different when you get more film, more study time to stop that. The thing that concerns me about the Eagles is their defense still. I mean, that offense is going to be able to score points, but what if it goes down, Trey? That offense is designed to have a running quarterback, it looks like, and Vic took so many shots the other night. I just don't think he can stay over a half a season healthy in this offense. I just think he's going to get hit so many times. And I think the team like the Niners or somebody like that with big physical, fast defensive play can can stop that enough to beat them. I just think the Redskins right now, they didn't have enough offense, Trey, to really keep up with the Eagles scoring. But that could change, you know, halfway through the season. I think RG3 will improve on the way he played the other night. Well, Tyler, I mean, you brought up a good point. One is, is can Vic stay healthy? And the second thing is is now the defensive, you know, defensive coordinators have seen the offense. They see how it runs. They see how to break it down. And you got to think about Tarvin. This off, it wasn't the same offense in the second half. So I mean, there were even some adjustments made by the Redskins uh, in the third and fourth quarter that seemed to, to at least start to figure out that that offense. So yeah, I wouldn't expect Chip Kelly's offense to have 400 yards a game. I just I'd be pretty shocked. Well, I mean, 400 is not too much. I mean. I just don't expect them to to be world beaters like everybody's thinking now. I'm not. I'm with you exactly. I'm not buying or selling yet. I still want to see if Michael Vick can stay healthy, and I want to see them play a good defense. And when you when you look at the Eagles this week, I think Vegas has their line inflated a little bit. They're a seven or an eight point favorite um, over the Chargers. That line started at seven and a half. It went all the way up to nine, and now it's back to eight. Trey, I just don't see the Eagles an eight-point favorite over over the Chargers this Sunday, and that's not a game on our list. But I'm just giving the example of what the public now is is trying to view on Philadelphia. I just think everybody's overhyping this team, and until they play a team with a defense, I just don't think we're going to know. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, it's you know, in game one they were successful, where we all a little surprised. I think a lot of us were. I mean, the Eagles came out had success against the Redskins, who people thought would come out. But, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, doesn't it, doesn't that, that score make sense? I mean, Chip Kelly had the entire offseason to get Vic ready and McCoy ready, and McCoy is a fantastic back. But the Redskins didn't have RG3 uh, at all in the preseason, so he was actually playing a preseason game, and then their defense had no time to study that, that offense. So, I mean, it kind of made sense how they came out quickly how the second half kind of bogged down. So I would expect even more times now for offenses to be ready. And and, and I think the next time they play, Tarvin, I would expect the Redskins to be a totally different team. Yeah, And, you know, this this kind of offense is, is making the NFL more exciting to me, Trey. I, I watch these quarterbacks like Kaepernick, RG3, uh, Cam, Russell Wilson, and Vic and all these guys. Trey, the offense, the fast pace spread kind of spreads you out and score points. I mean, does that make you excited when you watch it, or would you rather see a, a 10-7 to 7 game where they're just running three and outs and punting? I mean, this just makes it a lot more exciting for the fans out there. You get a lot more football. Oh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's better to watch a game that's, that's got action in it than, than you know, a 3-3 three three struggle with a field, you know 6-3 final. I mean, so, I mean, it does make it more entertaining to watch. I think 
Um, you know, every once in a while I like to see a good defensive struggle too, but I mean certainly I'd rather see a thirty to twenty seven type of game. Yeah, I just think it's more exciting for football and, and what do you think about over a season the Eagles? Do you do you think they're in shape enough to keep this pace up? Because it I mean the defenses have to be in shape over a four quarter game, but the Eagles are practicing like this trait every time they practice, they're running a hundred plays. Do you ever think there's going to be a time where the Eagles hit 100 plays in the game this season? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think they were, what, 70-something this past game. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, possibly. But I, I just think people are going to figure that offense out um, as we go on. I, I don't change my predictions on the Eagles just yet. I mean, I, I just, I'm not buying into it just yet. Yeah, me neither. And if you're out there, you want to call in 646-716-5564. Say hi to some people in the chat room. Jason Humphrey, the big Oregon Duck fan, I'm sure he wants to talk about the Ducks tonight. Jason Minson, the angry gopher, Lacey Key, Paul Ewing, Sonia Minson. People are starting to come on in. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're about to start our breakdown, Trey, of the NFL. Trey, you handpicked these five games. And, man, I have to say, these are – these are tough games to pick this weekend. Last week, you, you went easy on us a little bit, but this week you toughened up. Yeah, I think it's actually uh, all five games, actually I could see either team winning. I mean, that doesn't, you know, they're, they're a favorite and they're underdogs. But if you look at look at all five games, and I'll start us off with number five, Tarvin. I mean, you've got two teams coming off a losses. You have RG3 and the Redskins. And they're going on the road against the Packers, and the Packers just gave up 400-plus yards to Colin Kaepernick, a very similar-style quarterback to RG3. But this is really, you know, preseason game two for Robert Griffin. So, the you know, can the Packers win at Lambeau and get back on their winning ways after getting beat by the 49ers? Or is RG3 going to be back in healthy enough form? And we saw him a little hesitant, especially in that first half of the Eagles game. But in the second half, he seemed to air it out a little bit more, Tarvin. So I'm wondering – at what point we start seeing a more complete RG3, uh, and is this game it? So, I mean, good storylines for this game for sure. Yeah, one thing that concerns me about this game is the Redskins on the road after playing in that that up-tempo Monday night game. Remember, this is a short week. They they were give out on defense. This team was depleted. They're tired. And now they're coming, they're going on the road against a Green Bay team that's desperate for a win. I mean, both teams are desperate, but Green Bay has to win this game at home. Vegas has the Packers trade at a seven and a half point favorite at home. I'm not too sure about that much. I think around six could be the number, but I'm going with the Packers to win this game. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to present another challenge to them. It's just the hurry up. Green Bay hurries up and they, they don't run, you know, huddles. But Eddie Lacy is the X factor in this game. You know, he's a big back, and I think they're going to have to utilize him at home this week. He got his feet wet last week against the Niners. He did okay. But I think he has to have a good game. I think Green Bay wins this game, and the, the Redskins and RG3 start out 0-2. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Tarvin. I think this game is going to be won offensively, though. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. You know, if you're a fantasy owner, I think you could, I think you could probably start RG3 uh, this week, and actually, I recommend starting him over Colin Kaepernick this week, even though uh, Colin Kaepernick had that 400-yard game. I think RG3 is going to do well against the Packers' defense. But I think in an offensive-type game, I think the Packers, uh, especially with the Redskins' D on a short week, Tarvin, you brought that up, and I think that's going to be 
entirely a big, you know, just the big deciding factor. I look for um, this to be uh, a mistake-filled game for RG3. He's going to be putting out the ball, but I think he makes a mistake or two. Uh, I think that's the difference. Uh, Eddie Lacy probably gets you a couple of rushing touchdowns too. So, Pack win uh, by about seven. Yep, that's that's about right. Vegas has this game perfect. Don't be the sucker and give that extra half a point. You could be upset. But Trey, the next game, a very interesting game you chose for us. I mean, a must. Is this a must-win game for the Falcons? That's a big question. Zero and one Falcons home against the Rams. The Rams with a big win over Arizona last week. Vegas has the Falcons as a seven-point favorite in this game. I mean, this is is this do or die for the Falcons. I mean, could you imagine them starting out 0-2? Yeah, I think it is, and the reason is because they lost to the New Orleans Saints in week one. And so when you talk about the Saints, a lot of people are predicting them to actually win this division. We know the stats that no team has won since realignment this division more than once in a row. It seems to be every year we have a different sort of revolving uh, door for the champion. So for the Falcons, I mean, you don't want that kind of karma on your side starting off 0-2 because you can imagine how everyone's going to be talking about, oh, they start off 0-2, man, this is it. We told you they couldn't win it twice, you know. So, I mean, the Saints are going to be hot. It looks like their team's back. So you really can't start 0-2. And, and then, Tarvin, the Rams are so young. You have that you know, young tight end who scored you know, so many points. you got Tavon Austin. you got Richardson. I mean, this is a team that is young, but actually can compete right now. I give the Rams a lot of opportunities in this game to maybe win it. I think this is going to be tighter than Vegas says. But I'd like this to be a field goal type of game. See, I think the Falcons come back in desperation mode. They're at home. They're opener at home, really. I think Julio Jones goes off in this game. I think Matt Ryan's going to find him a lot. I think Steven Jackson settles in at home. I, I like the Falcons to cover this week. I mean, of course, I'm picking them straight up at home, but I like them to cover that touchdown. It, it could be close, but I'm thinking the Falcons come out and they play um, championship-type football. They're going to have to. If they start out 0-2, it's just going to be hard for them to start digging their way out. They have to get some kind of momentum back, and I think a good team to do that is St. Louis. But you're right, they're dangerous. They're young. I mean, they're confident. One and oh, I mean, Sam Bradford, this is his year, Trey. He had to do something, put up or shut up, cook with 141 yards and two touchdowns last week. But I'm telling you, Trey, Steven Jackson had to get more than 77 yards this week for him to be successful. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is obviously Steven Jackson's coming home game. I mean, he's going to obviously be at home, but the Falcons host his ex team, the Rams. So you got to think that he's going to be trying to perform at a very high level. Uh, but, you know, people are talking about Jared Cook in the chat room now. I mean, this guy is on my fantasy team, Tarvin, and I am loving it. I think he is not going to be a guy who, if you're if you're a tight end guy, you know, you're looking in your league and somebody has Jared Cook and it's not you, you have to be a little bit, you know, just wanting the fact that you may have, you know, blew a chance to get him in the draft, Tarvin, because this guy is going to be huge this year. I think he's going to put up monster numbers. Yeah, so we're we're both in agreement that the Falcons take care of this game. Uh, take us on to the third one, Trey. Well, the third one, this is two teams actually with winning records. Starting, we talked about teams who are needing wins. Well, this game is you know, the 1-0 Cowboys, and they're going on the road against the 1-0 Chiefs. And you know, there are a lot of people on the bandwagon for the Chiefs. You and I picked them in the, in the postseason early on, but now people are talking about, well, they make them a lot of this win, but they face the Jacksonville Jaguars, so let's hold off. I mean, this is their barometer week right here. You have both the Cowboys and the Chiefs 
who I think need this win to sort of validate what a lot of people are saying about both of them. Probably. I mean, both the Cowboys and the Chiefs have bandwagon fans and, and basically an analyst who are saying, hey, this is their year. So we'll get to see who actually can get over that, Tarvin. We're talking about the Cowboys on the road. So what do you make of, of the Chiefs at home, Tarvin? Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, you played Jacksonville. You did what you were supposed to. You may have exceeded expectations with that score, but it's put up or shut up time for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're at home. This is a perfect opportunity for them to start 2-0 and and, and really make the people that pick them to go to a wild card or have a successful season smile a little bit. But this is the Dallas Cowboys. This is an unpredictable team, Trey. They go on the other night. They look terrible at times against the Giants, and they look great at times. And that's the problem with picking the Dallas Cowboys in this game. I think going on the road, I think the the fans are going to be crazy in Kansas City. This is their first game, too, at home this season. I, I think Kansas City has what it takes to get a win at home. I have Dallas winning the division, and I still hold you know true to that, whether they win or lose this weekend. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs just because they have – they have more to prove. They're going to be more hungry in this game. And I think Dallas is maybe a little satisfied beating the Giants. They feel good about themselves. I think it's time for the Chiefs to rise up. I like Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, Paul Ewing in the chat room agrees with you. Uh, my question for the Cowboys is I'm not so sure they've still been you know, solidified in a running game. I think they're going to need that against the Chiefs. I mean, you have to remember, this is still the Chiefs team that had the most Pro Bowlers of any team last year, I believe. So, I mean, this is a talented team, and they got talent all around. I mean, Jamal Charles had a minor injury. They say he's going to be just fine, and, and he's the key for the Chiefs. I mean, Alex Smith is going to be a solid quarterback this year. He may not put up great fantasy numbers, but he's going to hold down um, the ability for the Chiefs to not turn the ball over. So, Tarvin, I look for the Chiefs to play very well in this game. I think Jamal Charles is the next factor. Uh, but I just I think Tony Rebel is going to find a way in the fourth quarter to make this uh, a game. Uh, I think Des Bryant has a rebound game, and he's the difference. I think Cowboys, but I think this is going to be like a one-point, three-point type of game, Tarvin. This is going to be a huge, huge uh, win for the Cowboys in the red. Well, Vegas had the line at one, Trey. Kansas City was favored by one point, so really a pick em. Um What a game this could be. I'm glad I have I have the red zone now in the, in the ticket so I can watch this game because you, you can't tell how good Kansas City is going to be until you see them play somebody like Dallas, so – very excited. I have this game circled on the list. Anybody in the chat room giving their prediction? Yeah, it looks like um, you know, Paul agrees with you that the Chiefs. Uh, and then it uh, looks like I think Jason Humbery picked the Cowboys and me. So uh, I think uh, I see some split in the in the chat room as well, Tarvin. So I'm not seeing other picks coming in, but split in the chat room, split you and I. Okay. Well, I mean, I like it split. That means you did your job, Trey. That means you, you got people confused. That's what I like. And, and this next game, and I know why you didn't put it number one, Trey. I agree with you 100%. Um, the Broncos at the Giants. I mean, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, the brothers going at it. Trey, this is a lot of pressure on Eli. He loses this game. You have to face that you lost to your brother, and you start out 0-2. This is not good. Well, you know, I had, uh, I had Paul pull up some stats for me on, on uh, the Manning Bowl. Sorry, sorry my phone vibrated there. Uh, but uh, we have the Peyton Manning is 2-0 and against Eli, even though Eli has two Super Bowl wins versus Peyton's one. Uh, their, their contests were, of course, Colts-Giants, and nobody's uh, they haven't faced each other since 
Peyton went to the Broncos. In 2006, it was a 26-21 to game. Uh, neither guy really lit, lit up the scoreboard, both threw under 300 yards. Uh, and then 2010, Tarvin, uh, the Colts uh, hold host the Giants, and that's where Eli really two touchdowns, one interception, only 160 yards, and Peyton threw 255 and three touchdowns. So it's kind of weird, Tarvin. These two guys are facing each other, and you know, last week we had Diesel, the number one and number two passing for yards. But they haven't really lit up against each other, Tarvin. So I'm interested to see if, if Peyton shows little brother uh, how it's done here in matchup number three. I, I gotta tell you, Tarvin, I think you're right. I think Eli has way more to prove in this game. They're at home. They're you know, and you know, he had a really good second half last week against the or against the Cowboys. And he really played a much different half. Peyton Manning played almost a perfect game last week, Tarvin. I just don't think the Broncos are gonna lose this game. The Giants are going to start off 0-2. Peyton throws for over 300 yards for the first time against his brother. Wow. I mean, but, you know, Trey, what concerns me about picking Denver is how inconsistent the Giants are. I mean, they can come out and just look perfect and beat somebody just handedly, and it will surprise you, and they can choke and, and play mediocre. I look for Peyton Manning to be the more disciplined quarterback, to be the quarterback that late, that makes the, 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 less, the fewer amount of mistakes if you will. I, I think he's a smarter quarterback. I think he's going to be more focused on the road. It'll be a business trip for him. He'll have that Denver team ready. 2-0 and Broncos, 0-2 Giants, and, and I don't think the Giants season gets much better, Trey. I think Denver keeps rolling and the Giants keep tanking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Tarvin. So, I mean, we'll move on. I'm looking at the chat room. Uh, Brian Burgess agrees with us about the Broncos. Paul Ewing picks the Broncos. Uh, and Jason Humphrey picks Denver over in New York as well. So not a lot of people giving Eli a shot. I think they have a shot, Carvin. I think Eli's going to throw the ball around a little bit. But I, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's going to be a Peyton Manning overall. So our number one game, Carvin, both 1-0 teams, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Everybody's got one of these two teams picked to win the division. Who starts off on top here in this game? Wow, it's a night game, 8.30 Eastern in Seattle. Wow. I mean, this is hard, Trey, but, you know, one thing about Seattle last week, what they impressed me is they came all the way on the East Coast, an early morning game, really, and they came alive in that second half. I like Seattle's defense. It's looking good. They're disciplined. They hit you hard. Uh, Russell Wilson's looking like a veteran almost. I like Seattle at night. I like them at home in this game. San Francisco, I think Kaepernick's going to make some mistakes in this, being on the road. And Seattle's a hostile environment, Trey. I don't know if you remember watching the game there, but it's, they're almost unbeatable when they play at home. And right now, Pete Carroll has these guys going. They start off 2-0 and against the Niners and, and take a, a stranglehold in that division. San Francisco is going to struggle with turnovers in this game. You can mark that down. Well, I mean, I'm looking at uh, the chat room now, Tarvin. You picked Seattle, Jason Humphrey, and Paul picked the 49ers. So I'm looking for some other picks to see if they come in. But Tarvin, wow, not so fast in the chat room already. I, I think this is going to be a very balanced game. The Seahawks are coming off of a struggling uh, game where they faced a good defense or an improved defense for the Carolina Panthers. Brian Burgess came in and picked the Niners. Wow, Niners all in the chat room, Tarvin. But you know what, Tarvin? I'm going to say I'm going to not so fast the chat room with you. I agree. I think this game at home for Seattle, a night game, is a huge difference. I think Kaepernick struggles in this game. The Seahawks really um, 
really seemed to do well against him. Let me throw some stats at you. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he faced him in 2011. That was a, a mob-up duty. But look, look at his stats from last year when he actually started. It was in December last year. He was 19 for 36 for 244 yards, a touchdown and an INT, and he had seven rushing attempts for 31 yards, and it was a Seattle Seahawks victory, 42-13. to 13. I don't think it's going to be 42-13, to 13, Tarvin, but I think they're going to stymie uh, Kaepernick in the same way and look for about 250, 275, a touchdown and interception, maybe 50 yards rushing. But I think that Colin Kaepernick has a, a tough time against that Seattle defense, and Seattle wins the game, Tarvin. Yeah, you know, what I wish they could do, Trey, is switch the, the nights on these games. After watching week one, I would love to come Monday night football, Trey, and watch Seattle San Fran and instead of Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. You know, I wish they could they could swap those games. But let me tell you something about Seattle. They they struggled last week. That's the main thing I looked at. They didn't come out and beat Carolina by 40. These guys struggled. And without a fumble by D'Angelo Williams inside the 10, they could have lost that game, Trey. And I think, you know, Pete Carroll's going to use that as motivation, really, this is the Niners, and Pete Carroll is a big time, big game coach. I don't know. You remember him in college? He loves the spotlight. He loves these big-time games. He shows excitement on that sideline. I'm telling you, Seattle, is, they're not going to blow them out, but they're going to win this game, and, man, they're, they're a good football team. They're better than trade than I thought they would be, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the difference is at home, Tarvin. I think that Seattle defense has got Kaepernick at least a little bit figured out. We'll see. I mean, this game could be a pick and turn. What's the line on this game, by chance? Two and a half. Seattle State two, two and a half points. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be close, but you and I are picking over the chat room, Tarvin, so this could be a win for us or a win for the chat room. So uh, make your picks already if you haven't on our on our, our website here. Our website here, But, uh, Tarvin, so that's our top five. You ready to move into some college football? I am, but let me ask you about a game, and this is for the angry gopher here. This is a a big matchup that didn't make the top five, and I know why it didn't. Minnesota, 0-1 on the road at the Bears. Uh, the Bears are a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, Trey. You just want your keys to victory for Minnesota in this game. Well, I mean, for Minnesota to win, they have to have Christian Ponder play well. I think the defense has to get turned the ball over as well. So for Minnesota to get a victory against Chicago, it's going to take some, some opportunistic defense for the Vikings, getting some short fields, and Christian Ponder to not turn the ball over and take advantage with touchdowns for those short fields. So, so basically, so Adrian Peterson isn't facing eight and nine guys in the box. My keys to victory is, and that's good, Trey, what you said, is, is really, like you said, Ponder actually coming out and, and showing that he can throw the ball. If you watched Adrian Peterson last week on that 78-yard run, whatever it was, the first play, um, they loaded the box up and started shutting him down, and Ponder couldn't make any throws. And this week, he has to go on the road. Trey, I think they have to start out throwing the ball on Chicago to soften that defense up a little bit. They can't come out and run straight at Chicago with Peterson. Ponder, this is his time to shine. It's going to be a tough challenge, but if he can pass, what, what number of yards are you giving Ponder, he has the throw to win this game. I think I think he has to throw over 300 yards. Over 300. I'm going to say 275. So I'm going to not so fast you, Trey, and I'm going down 25 yards. I'm going to say 275. Peterson's going to run for 120. If that can happen, um, 
the Vikings are going to pull off the upset in this division, and it would it really be an upset, Trey? I mean, this is, these are two teams that are very familiar with each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, just want to throw that game in there, and NFL is going to be exciting, and if you don't have the ticket right now to watch all the games, you need to call DirecTV right now and make sure you get set up with that. Well, Trey, it's college football time, man, and, and week two – you know, everybody thought week two was going to disappoint. They were yawning. They were laid back, but not so fast. There were some upsets in there. You know, some top 25 teams went down. What are you looking at in week three? What are you trying to to, to look at to, to change your opinion on some of these, these teams, really? Well, I mean, week three kind of – I mean, there's a couple of interesting matchups, but really – it, there's an opportunity for some of the, the lower tier, I guess, uh, teams that people haven't predicted to win their division to kind of take a step up. You know, Wisconsin, Fulham Road against Arizona. We get to know if they're for real. You know, how much has Tennessee progressed? I mean, you know, do they have a shot at Oregon? We'll get to see how good Oregon is. I mean, if they blow out Tennessee, I, mean, I think that's going to be pretty impressive. There's, you know, Ohio State going to Cal. You know, is this their chance for an upset? So, you know, there's a couple of teams out there that, that have something to prove this week. And, you know, and, and then there's a, you know, some fireable games, Tarvin. I think the Ole Miss-Texas game could have Mac Brown, uh, you know, go from the hot seat <laughs> to the no seat, I mean, if they get blown out. So, I mean, there's some there's some intriguing storylines. I mean, of course, there's only one game that most people want to talk about. But I think the UCLA at Nebraska game, too. I mean, you know, can the black shirts, you know, hold off a really good UCLA team? If they do, that mean really good things for them in the Big Ten this year. So, you know, we get to we, this is sort of a barometer week, Carmen. We get to see how some of these teams, how they do, uh, and we get to sort of chance, sort of judge them about maybe how they're going to do for the rest of the season. That's perfect, Trey. That's exactly what I was about to say. This is this is the barometer to see where these teams are. You start the conference play a lot. Some of these teams are going into conference. You have some some intriguing out-of-conference games. Week three is the turning point for some of these teams. And, and we'll start out in, in number your number 10 game. This is a, a big game, if you will, in the SEC West for two teams that, that haven't done, you know, great in the last couple of years, Mississippi State at Auburn. It's a night game, Trey. Auburn is a six-and-a-half favorite, point favorite according to Vegas. I mean, Auburn loses this game. It could spell disaster for them and the momentum they've created in the first two. Mississippi State limps in this game, losing to Oklahoma State, lost their quarterback to a concussion. He's back, Trey. This storyline's interesting. This game could go either way. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you're talking about barometer week, as we're going to call it this week. I mean, Mississippi State, I mean, for them, I mean, they need, I mean, they beat Auburn last year. That's fine and dandy, but they couldn't win on the road and they couldn't beat teams that were really bowl teams. I mean, so I think Auburn's a bowl team this year. So, I mean, this is a chance for them to sort of make a statement that Auburn isn't back yet. And for Auburn, this is a chance to get a solid SEC win. I mean, anytime you get an SEC win against, you know, a non-Kentucky team, that's a good win. So, you know, this is you – know, we get to see which bar, which team is meeting their barometer this week. And I think it's going to be Auburn, Tarvin. I'm picking Auburn to win. I think it's going to be more than the spread. I'm going 14. Wow. Woo. Hey, he's on that Auburn bandwagon. Proud. I'm proud of you, buddy. But um, 0-8 last year in the SEC. I mean, if Auburn pulls out a 3-2 to win, I'm happy right here because it's a win. They have to come in and get the monkey off their back. They're doing good running the ball, Trey, and I think that has to continue. Auburn has to run the football. 
and they have to keep running it. Nick Marshall, I don't know, Trey, if Gus Malzahn has been holding Nick Marshall back. I don't know if he's going to come out this game, have a coming out party. I don't know. It's all about Nick Marshall, too. He cannot turn the ball over like he did last week. Um, He kind of got careless with the ball, and he fumbled. This week against the Mississippi State team, they'll make you pay for it. So I think the key to this game is Auburn scoring early and, and playing some hard defense. Hopefully they'll have – they've been out with their top three starters on defense. Maybe they'll have one or two of those guys back to help with the depth. But it's going to be a cooler night. It's going to be around 70-plus degrees at game time, which is better than the 95 it's been. So this is interesting. I have Auburn winning this game by a touchdown trade. It's going to be close. I'm thinking something like 27 to 20. It's going to be a dogfight. I mean, this game, if you go back in history, it's always usually a close game, and it's a hard-hitting game. So Auburn needs the momentum. Mississippi State needs the momentum. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, so, Tarman, you got Auburn winning here? Yep. All right. So Auburn, we both have Auburn winning. I got them winning big. Uh, The chat room, I saw a lot of War Eagles in the chat room, too. So, um, well, hold on, hold on. Brian Bird just picked Moose State on this one, he said. So, oh, what a so fast. That's a, yeah, not so fast on it. So, Brian, I hope you're wrong, buddy, because I want to see a 3-0 and Auburn versus a 3-0 and LSU next week. So, please don't lose this week. Let's make the game more exciting next weekend. All right, so we're moving on. And uh, uh, in the chat room, somebody, somebody, somebody just said they were waiting to see our picks when they made theirs, and that's fine. Who was that? Uh, but I'll move on here. Um, Carvin, looking at um, our next game, the barometer I have here is you put uh, Jameis Winston, a, tr- a freshman, a redshirt freshman, on your Heisman 5 in the second week after one game. I'm not there yet, so this is my barometer in this game. Is, is he really bad? This is a 30-point spread. We, you know, they, he, they should blow out Nevada. But if they don't, Carvin, are you ready to, to pull him off your Heisman list? See, that's the thing about the Heisman list, Trey. What if he comes out and struggles? Yeah, he comes right off the Heisman list, no doubt. I mean, this kid showed – I mean, it was Pittsburgh, trust me, but it was on the road. Everybody in America was watching. Everybody in America will not be watching this game unless you have game plan and they want to tune into this guy. I don't know if it's on TV or not, but this is a big game for him to come out and to show that that wasn't a fluke, that he could be the key to a Heisman winner – is they're consistent in all games. They don't just have up and down all the time, Trey. If he comes out and throws a couple picks and gets 200 yards, he comes right off that list. He has to, he has to have a, a great performance. It might not be as good as the one against Pittsburgh, but it has to be close. So I'm going to be watching this one very close. Florida State rolls easily, but um, it's all about Winston in this game, seeing how he performs. And the defense. I want to see the defense, how they, how they react playing a team that they're favored over. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is that I'm watching, obviously, Winston as well. But, again, the defense shut out uh, a quarterback who, I mean, this is the this is the team that Colin Kaepernick, you know, played for in college. This is where they made, you know, Colin Kaepernick in that style of offense. So, I mean, you know, do they have a Colin Kaepernick on that team? Probably not. But the point is, is, you know, Florida State needs to make a statement. So, Florida State should be big. Moving us on, Tarvin, to the number 19. Hold on. Back up. Back oh. up, Trey. Back oh, oh, up. Oh, oh, uh, Paul corrected me here, and I'm, he's right. And I was about to say it. I have Winston as a dark horse right outside the top five. I have Bridgewater, Seastrunk, Mariota, Gurley, and Boyd right now in my top five. But he's right there on the cusp. With a great performance this weekend, he could move into that top five. Because you know somebody's going to have an off game. All right, all right. 
And we'll get that, we'll get that situated. So, Tarvin, uh, moving on, at number 19, Washington, they're 1-0. And they're traveling to the 2-0 Illinois uh, team who actually beat Cincinnati despite our best picks last week. So, Tarvin, is Illinois going to surprise us this week against a Husky team uh, that looks pretty good right now? No. I mean, this is – Illinois shouldn't have won last week. They played over their heads. Tommy Tupper will lay the neck like he's used to. But the Washington's going to come out, Trey. I just don't see Illinois being able to stop that offense of Washington – I look for Washington to create turnovers on the road, actually, and get the momentum. The point spread is 10. Vegas has Washington favorite 10. I like them to cover the 10 points. I like Washington pretty big in this game. Well, I mean, this is, a, you know, we're talking about barometer week. This is a test of Washington. I mean, Tara, I think this is going to be a little bit of a test because they're crossing the country. A West Coast team is coming across country into the central time zone. So they're going to they're gonna face you know, how hostile is Illinois? Not that hostile, but it is a road game in the Big Ten. So, you know, this is a good chance for them to sort of keep that record, to keep that, uh, you know, the proving ground that they're a ranked team and they're worthy of, you know, Pac-12 consideration. So, you know, I agree with you, Tarvin. I think they win. I'm not sure it's big. I think they'll struggle for the first couple of uh, quarters and then pull away later. But I think Washington wins. Looks like the chat room I'm seeing from Washington love as well. So Washington all the way, Tarvin. Well, Washington it is, and, and trade number seven game, interesting game. It's kind of a must-win for both teams. Vanderbilt goes on the road to number 13-ranked South Carolina. Like I said, both are one-and-one. One. South Carolina, a 14-point favorite. Trey, the big question is here, how do both of these teams come off a loss? I know Vanderbilt played Austin P last week and, and, you know, went through that game, went through the motions and easily won. South Carolina coming off a huge disappointing loss on the road at Georgia. I mean, does South Carolina come out fired up and ready to prove a point, or do they do they fall off after this week? Yeah, I mean, we get to see you know, how Spray will reignite them. I mean, does, you'll see if they think they've lost now, if they, you know, they feel like they're out of the SEC East and they lay an egg, then Vandy has a real big shot. But if they get refocused and they think, okay, well, even if we lose the East, we could make a national championship picture, um, or heck, even maybe Georgia still loses. So, I mean, so we'll have to see how 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 Spurrier has them. How is Clowney back on? You know, being motivated, or is he still a, a mal you know malcontent? So, I think South Carolina wins, Tarvin, but I actually think they're going to kind of struggle at this game for a while. I think they pull away, but I mean, I think Short Shaw's got too much talent to lose to Vandy. Uh, I think South Carolina wins. I'd say about ten points, Tarvin. Yeah, Vanderbilt's a team that that they play fundamentally sound. They're well coached. Um, they don't make mistakes, and South Carolina is one of those teams that they, they do make mistakes. But one good thing about this game, they're home tray. They have the crowd backing them, and, and I still have South Carolina winning this division. Even Georgia, I picked Georgia to beat them. I think South Carolina has the easier road between the two teams. I'll, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a right around the point spread, you know, 10 to 14. I, I just hate take, giving up Vanderbilt in a lot of points because – that they do play fundamentally sound football. And, hey, Vanderbilt actually surprised me against Ole Miss the way they could score and move the ball. So this could be interesting. I like South Carolina too, Trey. Yeah, that moves us on, Tarvin. Looks like the chat room is all South Carolina. To I mean, Ohio State, I'm hearing Braxton Miller, the number four in the country. They keep getting they're – getting, they're getting jumped. Braxton Miller gets hurt, but apparently it's okay. And now they're across country down in Pacific in the Pac-12 country for California, who is kind of surprisingly at 1-1, excuse me, 
I mean, this team I thought was going to be terrible this year. They looked improved, uh, but how improved, Tarvin? Improved enough to pull off, you know, what would be the biggest upset of the week if they win? Oh, that would be huge. And they're on the they're at home. California's at home. And let's look at Goff, their quarterback, 935 yards so far in two games, four touchdowns. It's not too shabby. And Treg, the receiver, I think that's how you pronounce his name, with 286 yards, 266 this year on 21 catches. This is an interesting game. So Buffalo puts up 20 on Ohio State. They've been dropping in the polls. They go all the way west, Trey. I don't remember Ohio State ever playing a road game this far out. Or Usually they stay around Ohio when they play. Uh, this could be interesting. I like Ohio State to win just because they're more talented. But I am concerned about this defense of Ohio State, Trey. I mean, God, I, mean, I can't really put them huge favors over anybody when they give up 20 points to Buffalo. I like it. I like Ohio State in this game, but it's not going to be just a huge blowout. California is going to keep it close because of their ability to pass the ball. Ohio State can't stop that. Well, I mean, this is I have two concerns this week for Ohio State. One is focus. I mean, this is a you know cross the country road trip, and and two is you know this this team seems to play down to their competition. So if they play down to what they feel California is, and California has that gem of a week. Uh, this could be an upset. I agree with you. I think this is going to be one of those crazier games for Ohio State. They're not going to blow them out. They're going to be, you know, Cal's going to be hanging around in the fourth quarter. But, you know, Ohio State will, again, find a way to pull away a little bit in the fourth quarter and win this game. I think this is going to be one of those games that through the first couple of quarters, maybe even into the third and fourth quarter, we're all going to be watching going, can they do it? Uh, probably not. I pick Ohio State. The trade for still sticks out at me is that 20 points against Buffalo. I mean, this. I don't know. This could be inter- – I mean, this is going to be interesting. I'm with you. But how far does Ohio State fall in the polls, Trey, if they escape out of here with, like, a touchdown win or something? Well, I mean, I think they'll keep getting jumped if they keep lose- or, excuse me, keep winning very, very close to these poor, poor opponents. So, you know, it's just one of those situations where they're not going to they're not gonna move up in the polls unless people are losing. All right. Well, that takes us to our number five game, and – you know, SEC East team traveling to Eugene, Oregon. And, Trey, I heard somebody say this week that this Oregon team would blow out the national championship Oregon team. Do you think that's a, a little far-fetched, or, you like the, or do you like this Oregon team this season? I, I like them, Tarvis. I think that's pretty far-fetched. I mean, they've played nobody so far, I and mean, we don't know anything about this Oregon team. And, in fact, you know, we'll learn a little bit about them this week. I mean, because I think Tennessee is no pushover. I mean, they certainly a long, long way to go before I think Tennessee can, can beat Oregon. At least I think, Tarvin. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think we'll really judge them based on that Stanford game coming up. I mean, Oregon doesn't play the hard schedule this year. They've played uh, some quality opponents in the past. But, this, you know, Tennessee was great on the schedule when they scheduled it. But, unfortunately, Tennessee is rebuilding. I think that Oregon will struggle a little bit in the very beginning with Tennessee, but I think by the second quarter, Tarvin, they're going to be all over the volunteers. So um, I think Oregon wins. I don't know what the spread is, Tarvin, but I can't imagine they won't cover. 28.5. Oregon is a 28.5-point favorite. And, Trey, I don't I don't know if that's too high or too low because Tennessee's played two games that they cruised in, and Oregon's played two games that they cruised in, and now we meet in Eugene, Oregon. And and I know Tennessee's not a ranked team, but in the minds of Oregon fans and, and the Pac-12, this is a pride game. This is a chance for Oregon to come out and say, hey, we just beat an SEC team, regardless of who it is. 
this is a 2-0 and undefeated SEC team, one of the only two undefeated SEC East teams at the moment. The thing that concerns me about Tennessee in this game, Trey, is the passing game. They're going to have to be able to throw the ball in order to keep up with – I mean, you can't hold Oregon down for an entire game. That's not going to happen. But, Trey, does Worley have what it takes? This season he's 22 of 32 for 246 and four touchdowns. Does he have enough to, to put up those kind of numbers against Oregon on the road? No, I mean, I think that's the problem is I don't think Tennessee can score with Oregon. I think, you know, Marietta is going to be, you know, phenomenal again. Uh, I just don't think Tennessee can score with them. I, I think for a while they're going to be able to hang a little bit because they have a talent, they have a talented group there. But eventually it's going to come down to depth. Eventually it's going to come down to these guys are being winded because Oregon's just going to throw so many plays at them. They're going to be all over the field. I think Thomas and Marietta are going to be way too much. And I, I do think this is going to kind of get, um, they're going to pull way ahead. I don't know if they're covered 28, Tarvin, but, I mean, they're going to be close to that. Man, this could be like a 49-13 a to 13 game. I mean, it could be. Or it could be a, a tough game going into the fourth quarter. I see it both ways, and that's why it's hard to pick. But I do know I'm picking Oregon to win this game. Um, it's hard to pick an upset, Trey, when you're 28 and a half points on the road, underdog. But it does happen, trust me. I've seen the games where it does happen. Uh, the Falls will be ready to play. I'm interested. This is a very interesting matchup to see how Coach Jones goes on the road. If they pull off this win, Trey, my God. I mean, can you imagine Coach Lent coming on the show Sunday night, what he's going to say, you know, about this game. But Jason Humphrey, uh, a big Dunk fan, is with us. Jason, are you going to the game this weekend? No, um, I, I wish, but um, duck tickets are too much for my budget. Um I'm really mad because the Doug game and the Alabama game is happening on the same exact time. Hello? Hey, the Washington game, you said? No, the Alabama game. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Alabama A&M is on at the exact same time, and I know where I'll be tuned yeah. into. I know, I know. I'll be flipping back and forth. But I... I got Oregon covering the twenty twenty eight and a half points. Um, I I call Oregon. You play Oregon conditioning test. Um, we're gonna see how conditioned Tennessee is. Um, it'll be a game somewhat, but I think just like we faced them um, two three years ago, we're gonna just pull away because there's speed, there's Oregon's speed with Marcus Mariota. And DeAnthony Thomas, the key stat that is Oregon has not turned over the ball once. Um, if I'm wrong, I might be, but I'm pretty sure they haven't turned over the ball once. And I expect um Tynes Tyner to get more K's. Okay, well, Jason, man, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll be keeping an eye on that, Trey. I think Jason just gave him the kiss of the death. I mean, Oregon fumbles the first snap. <laughs> no, I mean, I think Oregon's going to be just fine. I mean, unless Mariota comes out with some sort of you know, injury and so does DeAnthony Thomas, I, you know, I just, this team is very, very talented. And, you know, conditioning, Coach Lutz talked about that, you know, a lot with us. Uh, you know, but this is going to come down to conditioning as well. And this is going to be one of the things. We'll see how many hands are on hips in that second half for Tennessee. Well, I mean, you're right. Look, and, and when you talk about this game, Tennessee had – Austin P and Western Kentucky on their schedule. They knew what was coming. I think, honestly, they've circled this third game 
And and you talk about the conditioning Coach Lett talked about. I think they look at this game and realize they're working towards that game. So don't you think Coach Jones has something to throw at them, Trey, and, and to see? I, I just don't think they're just going to come out there without a fight. Tennessee's got pride. Um, they have athletes. But the depth does concern me a little bit. I mean, are you looking at a, a seven-point game at halftime, Trey, or are you looking at a larger deficit? Because – I think if Tennessee lets it get away, it's going to be in that third, late third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think this could get get ahead, get get out of hand early, Torvin. I, I just think that my problem is really Tennessee's offense still. I think defensively they're going to be uh, competing a little bit, but I just I worry about the quarterback play of Tennessee, and I worry about offensively. So, um, yeah, I just think I just think it's going to get out of hand early, Torvin. Okay, I mean, uh, Oregon is a phenomenal football team, but we're going to find out a lot about both teams. If Tennessee loses this game by a lot, doesn't mean their season's over. It just means they played a very good team, and they, their schedule is full of top ten teams, Trey. So we'll be going through the previews throughout the week. Tennessee's got a, a lot to, to gain. Even though they don't win this game, I think they can create some momentum and some confidence in a loss on the road at Oregon. So. That'll take us to the next game, an interesting matchup, Trey. Tell us about this Arizona State-Wisconsin game, why you picked this one. Yeah, and if you look at this game and you look at, you know, ESPN, CBS, Fox, whatever it is, and you look at, you know, all the voter sort of views and how they're picking, this game is the most up in the air in college football this week and then the big games. They're, I mean, this game is basically a pick em when you look at how people are picking it online. Uh, it's about it's about 55 to 60 percent uh, in favor of Wisconsin over Arizona State, which are, it's interesting because they're on the road. But this is an extremely close game, I think, Tarvin. You know, Wisconsin hasn't allowed a point yet. They haven't really played anybody yet either. Uh, and then you have Arizona State, who a lot of people, um, including uh, you know some of us on this show, talked about, hey, this could be a decent team. We're not really sure yet. So, Tarvin. You know, I'm looking at this game, and I, I look at it as a, almost a pick on mine. Tell me what you think about this game, and what do you think about the spread? Well, Arizona State is at home in this game, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Look, Trey, I don't think Wisconsin matches up well on the road with Arizona State. I think Arizona State's going to be able to score some points, and that's why Vegas has them as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. There's a reason behind where they put the point spread. Wisconsin is a, like a paper champion right now. They haven't played anyone, and this is vintage Wisconsin. They're going to go on the road, Trey. They're going to get beat. Arizona State's got too much offense. They have some defense, and they're well coached. This is a big game for the for the Pac-12 in Arizona State to make a statement. Wisconsin's, you know, they're very respected around the country, a Big Ten team. They go down on the road, Trey. I like Arizona State to cover the spread. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna not so fast, you Jordan. I understand the spread. I understand Vegas. Uh, yeah, I just think there's something to Wisconsin. I think they're building on something this year. Uh, you know, we're talking about barometers. So this is a barometer for Wisconsin. This is, um, you know, at ASU on the road. Uh, so I, you know, I'm going Wisconsin in an upset, Jordan. Wow, Trey, you're you're bold there, picking against me now. I'm hot right now. I've hit all my games so far tonight. We picked so. Man, I can't believe we're disagreeing. Is this the first game we've disagreed on? I think so. Did you pick the Cowboys or the Chiefs? Chiefs. Oh, there we go. That was another one. Okay. You got the Cowboys. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Arizona State, this is big for them, Trey. I mean, they have to win this game, especially being at home. Uh, do you know if this is a night game off the top of your head? Do you know the time on this game? I don't. I don't, Paul. I'm about to find out. This is big. It's a 10:30 Eastern game. Um, wow, that's a late night game, Trey. On ESPN's carrying this. The over under is 53. Kind of low for for an Arizona State team and a Wisconsin team that can score points. Uh, the line started out at five and a half and it's dropped a whole point to four and a half. I just think Wisconsin has a, has trouble with a time change like this. They're used to those 11 a.m. Uh, kickoffs, you know, the early morning games, and now to stay up till 10.30 Eastern and play a football game, that crowd's going to be hostile. It's going to be loud. Arizona State walks away with it. So we'll have to keep an eye on this one. Yeah, it's also going to be hot. Carter. We'll have to see how, that, that, how Wisconsin handles that as well. So it's going to be a lot hotter than they're used to. So, I mean, you might have a lot of cramp issues, and if you start seeing a lot of cramp issues for Wisconsin, then I might, I might want to change my pick. But uh, So i got Wisconsin, Tarvin. I'll move us on to our next game. Uh, looking at this, Tarvin, we have uh, what used to be, I think, a Texas favorited game, but now Texas is the underdog at home, 1-1 one one after coming off that BYU embarrassment. And the 2-0 and Ole Miss team comes into town now ranked, Tarvin. Uh, is this going to be another Texas debacle? Well, I mean, you said Texas was an underdog. What is the spread on that game? Uh, I think I, I thought it was like six or something if I looked at it earlier. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not usually looking at spreads. So. Well, I'm not seeing a point spread on this game. And, and Ash is out of the game. Did you know that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is a night game in, in Austin, Trey. I mean, they have they got carved up by BYU. If if Mississippi beats Texas in this game, does Mac Brown get fired Sunday? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, I think if this is an embarrassment, yeah, it's, I think it's possible. Uh, Paul in the chat room is saying that Texas is favored two and a half, and it opened at three and a half. So maybe I was wrong, but. Um, Texas' favor, that surprises me. I mean, Texas is just, I mean, Brian said in the chat room that Texas is just in disarray. I mean, how much can you correct in one week? You can't. Trey, you can't correct what they do in one week. This is mental, too. So it's not just what you do on the field, the X's and O's. This is mental. How do you rebound losing to BYU by 19 points and just getting thrashed on the ground? Mississippi is going to do one thing, and they're going to hurry up, and they're going to spread you out, and they're going to move the ball. This offense is getting better and better, Trey, as the week goes by. Every week that goes by, Ole Miss is getting better. The key to this game, the key to victory for Ole Miss, Trey, how does their defense play on the road against Texas? Watching Texas play, I'm not scared of their offense if I'm Ole Miss. I I attack, I, I blitz, I put pressure, and I try to create turnovers. If Ole Miss plays good defense, Trey, I think they can win this game. Well, I mean, I think Ole Miss has got a lot of freshmen playing. I mean, this is a team that Ole Miss got blasted. I think Texas gave up, uh, came into to Ole Miss last year and dropped 66 on them. So I think this is a little bit of a revenge game. I mean, Hugh Freeze is going to be talking to these guys um, and getting them ready to go, Tarvan. I think this is a, an Ole Miss victory. Well, I'm, I, you know, I talked to Jason Minson earlier in the week, and, and he asked me that I think Texas was going to lose at home, and I said probably not. And the more this week goes and the more I think about Texas and, and what happened to them, 
fired their defensive coordinator. It's either going to it's going to a lot of spark under Texas, but well, we saw Auburn last year when this stuff happened to them. They just hit rock bottom. Maybe the players want Mac Brown gone, kind of like the Auburn players wanted Chiswick gone last year, and they quit playing. I just don't know how they rebound from this trade, but I'm going to pick – God, it's so hard to do. I'm going to pick Ole Miss in a slight upset on the road. Texas beat them by like 30 last year. I just don't think Texas is anywhere close to the team they were last year. Now that the quarterback issues, their defense is struggling – Ole Miss is going to pull it off, Trey, because they have a lot of offense, and that team wants to play. They're 1-0, and they're coming off a big win with Vanderbilt. They're ready to rock and roll, and this is a statement game for Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss. This shows you where the team was last year compared to this year. If they pull a victory off over Texas, Trey, it shows you how far Ole Miss has come in the season, really. All right, the turn. We right. both pick both pick the upset of uh, Texas in this game, and Man, Texas would be in real, real trouble if that happened. So the chat room, I saw Ole Miss and Texas. So we split again, Tarvin. So we're doing our job on the game. So moving on to our number two game, it's the first, uh, I guess, the first of our list that actually have two ranked opponents. We have number sixteen, two and zero UCLA, at number twenty-three, two and zero Nebraska. Uh, it's in Lincoln, Tarvin, but I don't think it's a night game. So what do you have on this one? Wow, this is a tough one because Nebraska reminds me of Dallas. You never know what to expect. I mean, this team could come out and play great, play good defense, and then they can come out and lay an egg like they did against Wyoming and barely escape. UCLA presents so many challenges for this Nebraska defense. One good thing about it, if you look at it, though, UCLA is number three in total yards. They haven't played really anybody. Nebraska's 33rd in the country. Passing yards, Nebraska's 97th. I think that's going to hurt them. And, and overall, UCLA's 7th in the country in rushing, Nebraska 8. Points scored, UCLA's 5th in the country, Nebraska 17th. Just some stats to throw at you there, Trey. I just I worry about Nebraska's passing game in this. Are they going to be able to throw the ball on UCLA and score? Uh, UCLA's physical. They, they play very physical in the Pac-12, Trey. I'm not ready to call. I want you to call this game first. Well, I mean, I think the key to this game for Nebraska is going to be, is, you know, one is, is can the defense play physical style, which UCLA is going to bring a smash mouth style. They're going to have a good pro style passing game, and they're going to run the ball a lot. You know, for for you know, can Taylor Martinez throw the ball around field and scramble when he needs to, or can you know we're talking about Hundley, who may be the best quarterback in the nation for UCLA when it comes down to draft stock. You know, what kind of game can he have against the Nebraska defense? I, I would like Nebraska better if this was a night game. Um, you know, I'm looking at this as a, as a slight UCLA advantage, Tarvin, on the road. But i got to tell you, you know, I, I would not be surprised if Nebraska went out there and won this game because this is the kind of game that Nebraska team seems to win. They'll struggle against Wyoming, and they'll come back and they'll beat UCLA. Uh, but, you know, that's... Did we lose Trey? Um, can everybody hear me in the chat room okay? Testing one, two. Yes, no. Everybody in the chat room, can you hear me? Testing. I think we, for some reason, are not live right now. I need the chat room. Someone in the chat room that can hear me. Paul Ewing cannot hear us right now. Here. Trey, are you there? Yeah, we're back. Okay, they hear us now. Okay, good. 
we were out trading. What did they trip over a cord or something and, and knock us off air here? <laughs> I think that was you. So, yeah, I think UCLA Tarvin very, very, very uh, close in this game. I think, but I, I think it's the pick 'em. I, I think Nebraska could win this, but well, UCLA. Well, well the reason. Well, the reason I'm picking Nebraska Trey is because it is 12 o'clock Eastern. It's a morning game, really. It's really nine o'clock, um, what or eight o'clock, somewhere like that. No, it's ten o'clock in in UCLA. I think Nebraska's two hours different than UCLA. I like Nebraska to win this game at home in a morning game. If this was a night game, it would be a little different story. I think UCLA, you know, would win. But Nebraska is going to pull this game out at home, Trey. But it's still not going to tell us where Nebraska is this game tonight. I'm still not going to be sold on Nebraska even if they do beat UCLA, and I'm not throwing UCLA away just because they lose this game. But Bo Pelini has already started the talk, Trey. It's a revenge game where we really owe them. I don't like hearing coaches talk like that about certain games, especially, you know, Pac-12 versus Big Ten here. Well, I mean, I can understand why. I mean, they lost on the road last year, uh, big game. But, you know, Tarvin, I think this is one of those games where Pelini – uh, he needs to be focusing on you know, winning against a tough opponent and needs to focus his guys on stopping Hunley for sure. Because I think that's going to be the key. If Nebraska stops Hunley, Nebraska wins. All right. You have UCLA, I have Nebraska. So we are split. Carmen, uh, what do you think our number one game is? Hmm. Colorado Fresno State, maybe. Uh, that's exactly right. So, Tarvin, you know, this is um, – let me drop a little stat before we get involved here. Uh, I know this, whole, this 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 story came out today that we want to talk about, but I want to talk about the what happened last year in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Texas A&M and, and sort of talk about what Manziel did because everybody's talking about Manziel. So last year, just, so, just, just to give you the actual numbers of what Manziel did, he was 24 for 31 for 251 yards, Two passing touchdowns, and he had 18 rushes for 92 yards, and that was that. You know, in all of A&M's points, all of Manziel's hype came in the first and fourth quarters, Tarvin. So that that's really what we're looking at from Manziel last year. Well, I mean that's good numbers, but let's look at his numbers. If Alabama would have wrapped him up. You know, they had four people around the guy. You think he's dead to rights, and he pops out and makes a big play. Trey, what would his numbers have been? I know it's could have, should have, would have, but, I mean, Alabama really contained him okay, especially in that second half. But Johnny Manziel was Johnny Manziel. He made some big plays. I think he snuck up on Alabama. And, Trey, I have a friend that, that taught – I won't name an assistant coach for Alabama, but it's a coach that, that said the exact words to him about what's going to happen in this game. And he told my buddy that Texas A&M is going to get skull drugged this weekend by this Alabama team. Are you are you buying that? Are you do you think this is gonna be a blowout game either way? Yeah, I'm I'm not sold on them being a blowout. I think that, you know, we the you come up barometer, you know, this game is gonna come down I don't know if it's gonna I don't really think Johnny Menzel is gonna be the barometer for this game. I think it's really gonna fall on AJ McCarron and that offensive line for uh for Alabama because you know what we saw in Texas A and M in the first two weeks does not show us anything really be encouraged by their 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 defensive line. I mean, I know that they had six defensive starters out for against Rice, and they had four out for San Houston State, and they're all going to be back for Alabama. But that's fine. But 
you know, Rice passed for 203 yards and three, ran for 300. And, you know, Sam Houston State had 150 passing yards and 240 rushing. So, you know, the 150 yards and 200 yards passing in Rice and Sam Houston, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. That, that's, not, that's not scary, Tarvin, you know, for a defense to give up junk yards in the fourth quarter. But 300 rushing yards and 240 rushing yards, that does concern me. So I think when you look at this game, Tarvin, I mean, I'm looking at the offensive line for Alabama against the defensive line of Texas A&M, and I'm looking at T.J. Yeldon. What kind of game does he have? Because I think that's where this game is really won, uh, not necessarily Johnny Manziel. Well, I mean, Saban has had a bye week. And let's go back, Trey, if you look at Saban coming off a bye week. The last time I remember him losing a game like that was against LSU in 2010 on the road. He dominated the game in the first half, and LSU came back. I mean, this game is tough to call. All season I've been saying Alabama was going to blow out Texas A&M. And when I watched them play that first game, I'm used to seeing Alabama just dominate opponents up front. I didn't see that the first game, and, and it kind of made me hesitate a little bit and wonder about this game. And all of the negativity surrounding Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, Trey, if they could somehow pull a win out, I think it, it goes away for the moment unless he does something else. But if you're Johnny Manziel, you hold the, the keys to all your criticism and everything, all your, all your critics. If you win this game against Alabama and you keep your, your head on straight, you could have a special season. People forget when success arises like this. I just don't think they have enough to beat Alabama this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I'm looking at the chat room and you know, people are talking about the Alabama line if it's good or if it's not good uh, and how it's going to face out. You know, here's the thing: I don't even think they have to play that well to really dominate the, the line of, of, of Texas A&M. And so, I mean, I'm taking Alabama in this game, Tarv, and I hope we have some callers. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't know that a lot of people are giving Texas A&M a whole lot of credit in this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think it's going to be something that we're all going to be watching still in the fourth quarter. So I think it's going to come down to, to Alabama controlling the line. This is going to come down to good old-fashioned SEC football, and it's going to come down to you know which quarterback makes the, makes the mistake first. And I just think that McCarron's going to play a little smarter. He's not going to be scared to take a close game into the fourth quarter and win it. But I think Manziel is going to be pressing a little bit. Manziel needs to almost feed into his own hype. And if this game, if he's not playing well, and he has 150 yards going into the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, people, you know, I think he's going to be the one pressing. And so I like Alabama in a, in a very controlled offensive tempo, and eventually just to tire that defensive line out and watch for TJ Yeldon have a big game. Yeah, and look. And the coach also told my buddy that Saban circled after the national championship game this year. Saban circled this this game, and he has that game playing in the locker rooms and everything. That A and M Bama game. I think these players don't want to screw up for Nick Saban right here. It's going to be hell to pay for him, Trey. I think they come out. I think they they score early. This is a business trip for Alabama. It's going to be tough going into College Station for the first time, but. Florida did it last year. They went in and weathered the storm and pulled out a victory. I don't see why Alabama can't. That Texas A&M team last year is better than this year's team. The only difference is Johnny Manziel is not a surprise now, which kind of, you know, hurts Texas A&M a little bit. So we're going to see how good Johnny Manziel is. If he comes out and has a great game and wins, hey, he'll be up my top ten, Paul, in the Heisman. Don't worry. 
I still won't put him in my top five, but it's going to be interesting to see. And Sonya's on the line right now, big Bama fan. I'm just interested to see her take on this, hear her take in this game, and see what she gives, you know, Texas A&M a chance to win this game. Sonya, what's up? Hey, guys. How are you? Wonderful. Ready for Saturday. I know, dude. I'm so ready for this game. <laughs> hey, Trey. Hey, how's it going? Did you get my cookies? <laughs> no, where are they? Oh, they must be lost in the mail. For everybody who's listening, in the chat room, I always give give out cookies. And Trey and I have agreed for the past three weeks I'm going to send him a cookie. <laughs> Still waiting. It's a cookie. Well, it'll be there soon. But anyway, <laughs> back to the game. Uh, serious, it's like Tarvin said, or, or both of you guys have been saying, it's going to be this, – this is our first challenge. I mean, you know, now we get to see uh, – what tweaks have been made on the O-line since um, Virginia Tech. We get to see if our defense is, you know, what we think they are, special teams, same way. And I just think that Bama wants this game more. And we all know every game boils down to one thing, who wants it more. And I just think Bama wants it more. So, of course, I'm going to pick my ties. Well, Sonia, what I'm hearing, though, like, and this is, I won't name a name of a coach. I don't want to say anything, but this coach for Alabama, assistant coach, is is predicting, and he's never made a prediction before. And trust me, I've been hearing about him talking to my buddy for a long time, that he's predicting Alabama just to destroy these guys. And that's what they've been focusing on since they won the national championship. So, I don't know. Are you concerned about Alabama's performance in week one with the offensive line? I am concerned, but not to the point that other people are. <laughs> it's funny. Other Non-Bama fans or fans of other teams are more concerned about Bama's O-line than we are. Uh, we've seen this before. You know, we know what happens. It's like, you know, they don't play up to par, but you can best believe that next game they come back because Saban gets on that behind. It's, <laughs> I, I, it's just like if you don't know Alabama by now, <laughs> then I feel sorry for you, Shawty, because – my boys want that game. <laughs> they want that game. And when they want it, they're going to take it. I just I just see uh, intimidation, you know. I see a lot of intimidation coming out. I look a lot at the bye week, Tanya. I look at the bye week. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, all it took. that's all it took for me to look at that schedule and see yep. that <laughs> Alabama had a week off for two weeks this year and let's save him. But, you, you know, like we talked about before, the best thing that could have happened for Alabama and Coach Saban is to show some weakness in that game one. It it gives him motivation and he gives him some ammunition to oh. to really coach these two weeks. So he's got their attention after week one. Oh yes. Oh honey, he had their attention after the game. <laughs> he had their attention with the halftime. Coach does not play. And from you know, from what I'm hearing and seeing in interviews and, you know, just knowing knowing my boys, I'm hearing some good things. So it just seems like everybody's focused. They just want to to get this game out of the way, you know, show that they are this year's team because, you know, that's one of um, Saban's big things is you the, the current team can't live on the past glory of the past team. That was that team's win. You know, even if you were a part of that team, it was still that team's win. So this team is looking, you know, to make their notch. And one thing all of the players have been saying is we can't embarrass ourselves. You know, we can't. 
Well, Sonia, we know you're picking the tide like the panel here is. You know, I think Paul's the only one picking A&M, really. But uh, Saban had an interview today. He had a press mm-hmm. conference or whatever, and all these stories coming out. I wanted to talk to you about DJ Fluker and, and yeah. the, this week, big game week. All of a sudden, now we hear a story break by Yahoo about Fluker exactly. in Alabama. And I just wanted your take on this. Why now? Are you worried about the timing of this, wondering why now, why this week this story break? No, because <laughs> as soon as it broke, I knew what it was. And, I mean, you know that I have some, some contacts. And um, what happened is a friend of mine actually sent me a text. And so, because, you know, I'm in training, and I looked over at the laptop, and I see all these notifications on my page. And I'm like, what the heck? So I, you know, click on the link, scan the article real quick, go through, go through, go through, look at who wrote it, look at where it's coming from. And I was like, oh, please. <laughs> I'll, wait, I'll, I'll deal with that later. And the reason why is because the only focus right now should be on Saturday. We owe them that much. Now, this stuff with Fluker, getting to that particular point, bottom line, and this has been proven <laughs> and disproven with, with teams on both sides of the fence, unless you can prove it or somebody admits it, is her word and his word against your word. So what can you prove and who admits what? I don't care if you got a receipt. In my, me and my daddy share the same name, so you got a Western Union receipt from some money sent somewhere, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's let's you know connect the dots. Okay, but can you prove? What can you prove? Who admits what? If somebody admits it, he messed up. We got to take the hit. But the thing people need to understand is, bottom line. Bama fans have been here before. That's why we ain't tripping. <laughs> Bama fans are not tripping. We're like, oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> well, well, if this is true, Sonia, I wish they'd have waited till, you know, next week to do this or next weekend or something. Like, I don't, I don't like the fact that they're trying to take off of this game. And when Saban came up to the the press conference tonight, he wanted to talk about A and M, and they started asking him about this, and he walked yep. off. And his comment was, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys want to talk about the game. Um, I just think it's timing. It's like when Cam Newton was real good, too. Exactly. One thing is all of a sudden this this broke. And I know there's a there's a text messages and things like that. And I know Paul wants to come on and talk about it in a little while. Yahoo broke it instead of SI and Joe Shad. So that's one thing. But right now, really, for this week, for Bama fans, I'm sure most of them are focused on the game. And not yep. about this because it seems I, like I, every week some story's breaking. You're right. And, see, I post it on my wall because, you know, I post about everybody, and I rag on everybody the same way I rag on Bama. But the bottom line is, okay, yesterday it was the, the um, Oklahoma State story. I posted about that. And it was like, hey, here we go, COI, There's some more allegations, you know, kind of shady. This person said, this person said, we'll see what happens. Okay, today was Bama. Guess what? Same thing. There it is. Bottom line, but guess what? I'm a Bama fan. I'm not focused on that right now because that has no impact on this moment right here. <laughs> I'm thinking about Saturday. I will talk to you guys about that Monday, you know, but now <laughs> it's all about Saturday. We've been looking forward to this game since we got beat by them the last time. Ain't nobody got time to be sitting here worried about what Yahoo Sports is saying. We can deal with that later. Yeah, even if they are guilty, it'll take them five years to – 
to pull this out and, and do anything looking at the NCAA. Trey, you have anything to add on this? Well, I'm, I'm just interested to see if Paul and other, some other people have uh, different views, Tarver, because, you know, I, I look at the two stories that broke this week in a completely different light, but at the same point, I'm skeptical of them both. You know, I think, yeah, this, and I, I don't call it the Alabama story. I know DJ Fluker is the biggest name of the story, but it's actually a Tennessee and Mich- uh, Mississippi State story as well. Um, I think this has got more credibility because of the paper trail. I mean, we're looking at, you know, and, and not only the fact that they have text messages and wire transfers, but, I mean, you know, DJ Fluker's Twitter account seems to imply in April that he, he, was t- he took money and he didn't care. Of course, what came out next was, you know, the same defense that Anthony Weiner used when his text when his Twitter account was hacked that turned out to be true. But, uh, you know, this has got a little more teeth to it, Tarvin. I understand that, you know, Alabama fans want to pull the Nick Saban and say, oh, I don't want to talk about that because, you know, distractions, you know, they do suck and they do take away from your on-the-field preparations. But, you know, I'm looking at this one with a little bit more teeth, Tarvin, but at the same point, um, you know, there's not enough right now. I mean, you know, this is a, you know, we 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 still need more, Tarvin. We still want more. What's the timing of it, Trey? I mean, this is the biggest oh, yeah, game yeah. of the year. This is the biggest game of the year. My question is, is why now? Why Wednesday before the game Saturday? You've known about this forever, and you've had it documented. Do you, are they trying to bring attention to themselves? Yahoo's bringing this story out, Trey, and they're going to get a lot of attention because of this, and they know that. Oh, yeah, I agree with you, absolutely. I mean, that's the... You know, that, that's the one thing about the story that is concerning and that this come out, um, you know, a week later or, um, you know, a week earlier, I think this would be a different, you know, I would, I would have less concerns. But, I mean, it, I, and let's be honest, I mean, it came out this week because of what's going on this week. And, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that doesn't make the fact less believable, but it certainly makes me question the integrity of the reporters a little bit more. Well, this is off season. This is off season stuff. And Sonia, no, you're still on there. Uh, this is off the off the field, out of season stuff. You want to talk about not the week of the big game. Sonia, can you hear me? Let me see. Sonia is not on mute right now. Let me try to do something to bring her back on. Hold on, just a second. Sonia, can you hear us now? some reason. Sonia, call back in. Hang up and call back in. I'm going to disconnect you. For some reason, we're having some trouble, Trey, and Sonia's on the line, but we can't hear her, kind of like what happened to us a minute ago. But, um, Paul, you go ahead and call in and hit number one if you want to talk. We're going to get Sonia back on to give her closing statement about this. But, Trey, the thing I, I don't like about this story that smells fishy is the timing of it. I know you said it, it gives you more teeth hearing about it right now, but if it happened... Two weeks from now, I would believe it. I mean, I would feel more about it, the teeth. But the thing is, there's other players involved in the, and as Paul's going to talk about, the paper trail. And here's Sonia. Sonia's going to give her closing remarks on this situation. <laughs> Sonia, Sonia's back now. I don't know what was wrong, Sonia, but. Uh, I know either. Oh, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> well, I was just saying, as far, I, I was agreeing with what Trey said. It's like, okay, you can sit here. I can, I can have a receipt signed by President Obama, and I could take that receipt and said, okay, me and him spent the night together at this hotel on this night. 
you will look and see that, oh, guess what? He was in Atlanta on that night. <laughs> it's like, okay, put us together. It's almost like it's, it's like what, from what I'm seeing now, now there is some stuff that's concerning. I'm not going to sit here and stick my head in the sand. There is some stuff I'm like, I don't know, Charlotte. <laughs> I don't know if you can get away with that one. <laughs> but there's some that's just kind of like, really? You're really stretching with this one, you know. So I, I want to hear more, but I don't want to hear it right now. I'm focused on Texas A&M. We can talk about this on Monday. I'm thinking about Johnny Football, College Station, Roll Tide Roll. That's the bottom line. And to um, address one thing before I go, Tarvin, no, Miami is not a top 15 team. Really? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So, I just, you know, I got to go and – Head on up to uh, take care of my angry gopher, but I had to throw that in there because I'm so sick of this topic. Bottom line with Miami people, (laughs) Miami and Florida both sucked, okay? The reason Miami won is because they sucked less. That is the bottom line. So don't sit here and try to give Miami all of these props like they're this, wow, Miami just came out of nowhere. No, Miami... (laughs) Miami got lucky because Florida sucked more than they did. That is the only reason they won. You need to wait and see what Miami does before you sit here and crown Miami with any kind of rankings or glory. Okay, I am done. Good night, guys. Roll Tide Roll. Hey, good night, Sonia. Thanks for joining us. As always, tell Angry Gopher we said hello. And uh, he's tired tonight, Trey. He can't join us, or he'd be on to talk about his Gophers. But great analysis, Sonia. And we're going to bring Paul on. He wants to get on here and give his stance on this um, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Alabama mess we have here. What's up, Paul? Let's see. We have him now. Paul, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Sorry, we're having some studio difficulties right now. Can you hear me? What was that? Yeah, I can hear you now. I have to clean my my ears out now. Trey, do you hear him okay? (laughs) Yeah, I'm hearing him loud and clear now. (laughs) Okay, I can hear you both now. What's going on tonight, guys? Paul, you heard what Sonia had to say about it. And being a Bama fan, I'd want to focus on the game right now. That's all that really matters. But He's you right. being a neutral a neutral party right now, what are your thoughts on this case? Give us some details of it. Anything breaking of late on this story? Oh, I mean, Yahoo's added um, – I sent the new link, the updated link to Trey. I don't know if I sent it to you, but they've added a couple of things that they've done or they've released or whatever. Um, so Let me just start first. Sonia's right. I mean, you know, you need – if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm focused on the game. Uh, this stuff just broke today. Um, I wanted to comment on that. I heard you guys questioning, you know, why release it now? You know, why do it now? You know, that's a good question. Because, you know, as far as Joe Shad said earlier, Alabama's been looking into this for a little while now. So why did it break all of a sudden? I mean, was it because of the game? Was it the big game? I mean, you know, like 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 Alabama said, they've been looking into it. So I mean, who who wanted to say something? You know, but just sitting here looking at everything, I mean, there's some chilling stuff in here as far as DJ Fluger goes, and it's not just him. You know, they mentioned uh, Tyler Bray, for example, 
a starter, a current starter for Tennessee, defensive end Maurice Couch, uh, Mississippi State University defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, and Chad Bumpus, which is funny, is a uh, I believe was it not was it Bumpus that was complaining on Twitter about yep. the Miss, the old Miss players getting cash. Yep, exactly. Last recruiting season. Oh. I have no idea what that sound is. But anyway, like you have two phones, two phones on at the same time. Move away from the computer. <laughs> okay, moving away from the computer. Anyway, just reading over stuff. You know, like Sonia said, they have receipts. You know, I don't know if you've ever used Western Union, but they have receipts where you get the money orders in and stuff like that. And then they have the copy receipts from where uh, the money was sent from Davis to players. I mean, I saw things. They have recording. They have one where he uh, there was a text message they have, a recorded text message that had Smith buying a bedroom suit for DJ Fluker and having it shipped to his apartment in Tuscaloosa, and then they have the text message where Fluker's asking him, you know, did you take care of the bed, blah, blah, blah. One of the biggest things that I noticed is that they're reporting, this is crazy, this is another, you know, crazy thing for me, they're reporting that that Mark Barron accepted cash payments to prevent him from going into the draft when he hurt his shoulder, and he was required to pay them back once he signed with an agency. That's chilling to me. You know, that's, whoa. You know, and then, like I said, they've got an email with DJ Fluker where, I don't know if you remember this player, but, his, uh, hold on, I've got to pull that right here, Kyle Pennington, an email between his mother, Angela, and Luther Davis, asking for money, payback money, for money that uh, DJ Fluker's mom borrowed. So there's just all kinds of the stuff that Yahoo says they have on paper, you know, and it's just what's going to happen, you know. I mean, I saw one where there was a DJ Fluker invoice of $35,000. Paul, are you recording yourself or something? I am not. I don't know what that is. Okay. I'm standing in the hallway okay. away from the Please computer. make it stop. Please make it stop. My ears can't take it no more. Well, I've gotten further away. But and they have everything. They have all the Western Union receipts with like Tyler Bray, the quarterback, five hundred bucks here, two hundred bucks there. You know the the one thing with they did report an Ed Stinson on a flight plan for a recruiting trip, but it, his agent confirmed that he wasn't there. So I don't I don't expect anything to come out of that. He'll play. But in the end, um, if Alabama can prove they didn't know anything about this. There won't be any probation repercussions, but as Charles Robert, as Charles Roberts, Robertson said for uh, Yahoo, that you know, 2012 season could come under question. You know, as far as all this paper trail goes, um, like the Manziel story, they didn't have a paper trail. But this time they do. I mean, we've seen the documents. Whether they're real or not, who knows? But you can't argue with text message. You know documents and uh, bank statements. I mean, receipts, sure, you could argue with that. But with flight plan itineraries, bank statements, text messages, cell phones, numbers linked to these players. You had you mentioned earlier, Brian, DJ Fluker back in April tweeting that he took money from a 
agent when he was in school and then deleting it and then his current agent saying that someone hacked his account. You know. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot going on, Paul. And, man, thanks for joining us. I'm going to cut you off real quick just in case that beat comes back because <laughs> my ear can't take it. But, hey, keep us updated uh, on way in sports on anything you can see or, or hear about this story. We're going to take a call real quick. But, Paul, damn, Trey, I missed him by five seconds, man. We're going to go to the 419 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? This is uh, Coach Lett from Tennessee. How we doing? Coach, what is going on, man? Coach. What's going on is going on. It's college football is at its finest right now, I guess you could say. Well, we have talked a lot about the Oregon Ducks and the Tennessee Vols tonight. So tell us how this week of practice is going after that big win against Western Kentucky. Uh, this is going real well. Guys are uh, amped up to play the number two team in the country. And, man, they're well-deserving of that ranking. We watch them on film, and these guys, they play they play fast. They play ball like the Chevy play. Uh, they got some playmakers. They got some uh, They got some guys that uh, that scare you a little bit. But it's, uh, it's a good challenge for Tennessee. We're up for the challenge. Uh, nice, nice little plane ride over to the uh, West Coast. So we, we're getting after it this week. It was hot today. It was hot yesterday. Had a good go at it. We'll pull back tomorrow. And uh, the guys are focused and amped up. Primetime game at 3.30 on uh, ABC, I believe it is. So the guys are the guys are ready to play. So, Coach, have you are you going to Oregon tomorrow or are you already there? Oh, uh, no. Actually, we're, we're going to leave Friday. We're going to we're gonna, uh, – be on our time clock. We're going to do everything on our, on Tennessee time. So we're going to leave Friday around 11, get to uh, Oregon around 3 or 4, and do everything on our schedule. So to us, it's just going to be a 3.30 game on Saturday. You know, it's 12.30 there. To us, it's going to be a 3.30 game. All our meetings are going to be at the same time as we're playing in Tennessee. So our body clock will still be the same. So so maybe that's not – that wasn't Paul's phone after all. I don't know what's going on with our studio and that sound coach. I'd like to apologize to you. Um, sorry about that. And tell us how – tell us how practice is going. Like, how did you – how did practice go this week? Once the big win happened Saturday, what did the schedule do Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday and Wednesday, actually? Saturday uh, – after we play Saturday, Saturday evening – uh, we let the kids enjoy it. Sunday morning, about 6 a.m., it was all 100% Oregon. And uh, we really broke down exactly, tried to find a weakness on offense, a weakness on defense for each side of the ball. It's kind of hard to do with that team. And uh, actually, Sunday morning, all the guys came in eager. Coach, what's the game plan? Coach, what are we doing offensively? What are we doing defensively? They were really eager. The guys are really amped up to play the number two team in the country. And uh, Monday they got after it. Tuesday they got after it. Today they got after it. Uh, especially yesterday it was really hot. Yesterday was a grind. It was about a three-hour practice. We got after it yesterday. Today we pulled back a little bit, but the guys are going. The guys are they're they're, they're pushing. They're pushing. So uh, nothing not out of the, out of the ordinary as far as preparation. Hey, Coach, this is Trey. Uh, thanks for calling in. You know, Carmen uh, you know, didn't ask you about the Western Kentucky game, but I do want to talk about, you know, Coach Jones mentioned that 
you know, Mark May on ESPN, putting you guys on upset alert for that game, and now you're you're coming into Oregon. How much does how much does the media play into the message boards when you have some guy on national TV sort of running, you know, and telling you guys that you're on upset alert against the team that many of us thought that you weren't on? Uh, how much does you know does does that play into to things in the in, in the locker room? Coach always talks about uh, playing playing with an edge, with a chip on your shoulder. And when Mark May made that uh, that comment on TV, that really put a chip on our shoulder. We were really uh, they really got the guys going. We don't buy too too much of the media hype, as far as uh, board talk or uh, locker room material, things of that nature. But every now and then, people say something to get the get the guys going, get the blood boiling a little bit. And Mark May got the blood boiling on that one. It was actually headed to a team meeting, and when that came on, Coach Jones recorded and brought it right to the team meeting. The guys got fired up right before practice. So, uh, like Coach Jones said, we'd like to thank Mark May for getting us going on that one. But uh, as far as the media and whatnot, uh, media's going to be media. They're going to say what they say. That's their job to pick wins and losses, who's the underdog, who's the favorite, and all that. We don't buy into that. All that we buy into is if we practice and try as hard as we can, we'll give ourselves a shot each Saturday. And, Coach, you know, speaking of the media, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, the story that just broke today, you know, Alabama is getting a lot of, you know, publicity for it, and, and I'm sure that you guys are getting publicity for it. How, how are you guys able to take that and just put that away and focus on your big game at Oregon? Well, Coach Jones has done a phenomenal job handling the situation. He just told the guys the article is coming out. It is what it is. He just made a message, make sure – we don't know if it's true or not. We look on the NCAA handle that and uh, let the uh, our compliance department handle that. But he just made the message, guys, make sure you know who you're dealing with and make right decisions for the team and for your family and for everybody else. And agents out there don't always have your best interests at heart. People in the community always have our best interests at heart. And Coach Jones took it as a, a learning tool because all this, all this supposedly happened before the new staff was in place. Because Jones uses a teaching tool for all the young, the younger guys to let you know, let us know, let them know that you're in a different spot than the average human being, the average uh, college student, the average athlete. You're in the SEC planning a major program. There's going to be vultures out there. There's going to be people who don't have your best interests at heart. So be smart and uh, use it as a learning tool. So Coach Jones really did a, did a phenomenal job, and like I said, we don't know what 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 was done and what was not done, and we're gonna let our compliance handle that. So our main focus is getting ready for Oregon this Saturday. And I'm sure Coach Jones let them know that that this was in the past, regardless if it's true or not. This is in the past. Right now, Tennessee's going forward, and I'm and I'm sure that's the message Coach Jones is relaying. It. I mean, that's what I would do. But coach, I mean your your kids right now in that locker room. I mean they hear the media talking all week about Oregon, how good they are, how many points are underdogs. How do you keep your kids' attention focused on in their attitudes? Hey, we can win this game, and not let them feed into that that negative. I know you can use it as as firepower at times, but how do you keep their their spirits high right now? Well, we use it as motivation. Let them know to keep working the the, the whole week, so that gets them going. But it also let them know. That, that they, we do have a chance. If we do play our best game, 
We showed clips of uh, USC making big plays on them, Stanford getting big stops on them last year. I mean, they, they're a great team, and they're well-deserved with that number two ranking. And, uh, but we got 85 guys on scholarship as well who, who, uh, who are going to fight and claw and do whatever they got to do to act, just have a chance at the end of the day. So that's the main thing, Ricky. Just, just do what you want, do what we got to do for four quarters and see where we're at in the fourth quarter. Well, Coach, I'm, I'm very excited about seeing seeing you guys on the field Saturday in this game. And, and win, lose, whatever, I still think this is a game Tennessee can, can show again that it has arrived. Sometimes wins, I mean, it's not about wins or losses. It's how you fight in the battle. But this game, I'm going to look at this game as what's going to spark you guys into the rest of your schedule. You have a tough schedule. And, Coach, I just want to make sure you're coming back Sunday night to to break this game down with us if you have time. I, w- I would love to. Our schedule is we we get back Saturday night at three a.m. So really Sunday morning at three a.m. and then we go right <laughs> we go right into Florida, who's coming who's on the bye week right now. So uh, as soon as we get off the plane, we're going right to Florida to uh, get ready for Florida. But uh, I would love Hello. to if I have a. Uh, Sunday night. If not Sunday night, for sure Wednesday night. All right. You just let me know how you, how your schedule's going. Get your rest and tell all the guys in there we're pulling for them here on Way In Sports to to just play hard and keep fighting. And coach, we we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Good luck this Saturday. We'll be watching. All right. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful night. Thanks, all right, coach. you too, coach. Trey, that was a, a great answer to that question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to tell Coach Lett that personally. I mean, what what class, what a perfect answer. I mean, the chat room was just all a buzz uh, that he answered that question so so amazingly. I mean, that's exactly what you want to hear from a coaching staff who just took over and really inherited something like this. I mean, the, this coaching staff seems to be handling everything well at Tennessee. Just very impressed with everything they're doing. So, you know, I, I you know, like I said, like I said, we talked about earlier. Crazier things have happened, so we'll see what happens in Oregon. Hey man, you, you don't ever underestimate a team that has new leadership and the leadership makes those guys believe in everything about Tennessee again. This is not Lane Kiffin staff, guys. I mean, this is a great coaching staff that that believes they can do it. Until they don't do it, Trey, I'm gonna still. I'm, I'm believing in them anyway throughout this whole season. I think they can go into Oregon and 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 fight. I mean, I really do believe this is a different mindset team, and you you don't know point spreads don't they don't take into account that point spreads take into what the nation thinks about this game. So who cares what the nation thinks? What are those guys in the Tennessee locker room thinking? That's all that matters. And at the end of the day, they're SEC team with a lot of talent. And really, we don't know what Tennessee has yet either. They're not showing everything, Trey. They're not showing everything in that arsenal. They're going to start unleashing it these next few games. I'm excited to see what's going to happen Saturday. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, just I mean, one of the things that, you know, when you look at a program that's rebuilding, you look at, you know, games that have the potential to shock the world. I mean, there are some indicators for Tennessee. I mean, they seem to – you know, answer questions, uh, you know, that get asked by, you know, media. They seem to deal with that perfectly. They seem to deal with distractions very well. I mean, that's one of the things that have kept Alabama going so far. They don't let things like that distract them. I mean, you saw that from Nick Saban. See, I mean, seeing that from Tennessee, Tarvin, is an encouraging sign. I mean, that's that's what 
has helped give Alabama and the teams in college football and the NFL razor-sharp focus, you know, Bill Belichick, to make sure they know what their task is week by week, and that's all they focus on. Well, Trey, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tennessee went there and won a game. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I've watched college football my entire life, and and this is just a just like Jason said in the chat room, this is a faithless opponent, really. That's how you have to look at it. This is college football. This is a week-to-week battle. This is a journey, and, and I'm I'm ready to see what's going to happen. A lot of big games scheduled for Saturday. We're going to be covering. We're going to have Coach Lett hopefully on back Sunday night to talk about the Ducks, the Vols, and the upcoming game against the Gators. So, Coach Lett, thank you so much for calling in tonight. That was a pleasant surprise, and we'll get him Sunday night, hopefully, if he's rested. Trey, do you have a rant tonight before we get out of here tonight? Yeah, I mean, just the one thing I, I mean, I want to I want to talk about real quick is we didn't touch on the Oklahoma State story, and, and you know, one of the things I do want to hold people on before they start buying wholesale on this stuff is one, you need to look at who's supporting these kind of things and what their motive is. And in the Oklahoma State piece, you have a couple of guys who were dismissed from the Oklahoma State team. You know, so you start off with with that. These aren't guys uh, who are clean. They they have dirty motives. Uh, and you have guys who are in the program who are superstars in the program. I think Tatum Bell came out and made a statement and was like, man, if I was a star during this time, I was the big guy in Oklahoma State's campus, and it didn't happen to me, and it's not as if Tatum Bell, you know, is, is still famous. So, I mean, that gives me credibility there because, you know, this is a guy who, you know, isn't in the NFL, who, who was a star at Oklahoma State, who is refuting these, these allegations. And so, you know, before you sensationalize some of the stuff, I think we should all pause and give it a really good close eye. So for the Oklahoma State piece, at least, Tarvin, of the two stories that broke recently, it's the one that I give the most pause to and I give the most hesitancy. Uh, and I'd ask everybody to take a look at that story and, and ask yourself, you know, do these folks have a reason to, to, to basically not tell the truth? And I think they do. So that, that's it for tonight, Tarvin. <clears throat> All right, well, join us. We had an interesting show. We covered a lot of information, Trey, in the hour 45 minutes we're here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Paul, for calling in, Sonia Minson, as well as Coach Lett and Jason Humphrey, of course. Check out his review. I'm going to look at his preview for the game on my on our Facebook page there. So we'll check out Jason Humphrey, see what he's made of. But, Trey, we will be covering this story, the Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi State story once we get more information about it as well as the Oklahoma State. But I'm with you. That Oklahoma State sounds kind of fishy in a way to me. But we'll see. But right now about weigh-in sports, we're about these games coming up this weekend, Trey. Can anyone beat the host? I mean, I don't know. It's possible. But I'd give it a long shot this week. These games, you know, seems like we're right on them this weekend. So make sure you go out to Facebook and compete in the challenge, the beat the host challenge. These are not against the point spread. These are straight-up picks, who wins and loses. Trade 9 o'clock Eastern on Sunday night. We're going to start breaking these games down, and Coach Lett's going to come on. And uh, thanks for being a great co-host. Have a great week, everybody. I'm so excited about this week of football. Trey, I don't think I'm going to a game this weekend. I'm going to sit back in the recliner and watch all of them DVR. So we'll have a lot to talk about uh, Sunday night, buddy. Absolutely, buddy. We'll see you then. All right, take care.